Hello, and welcome to the 71st episode of the Not Your Mama's Gamer podcast, a podcast where we talk about games and gaming from a feminist perspective. My name is Samantha Blackman, and I'm an associate professor here at Purdue University in wonderful West Lafayette, Indiana, where I talk about, read about, write about, think about, dream about, amongst other things, video games, video games, video games. And I am joined tonight by an array of awesome co-hosts and guest hosts. Yay! Yay! Yay. So... (laughs) Uh, if everyone's I'm derailing you already. I'm sorry. I know you always do. Uh, if everybody would take a second to introduce themselves, and then I'll introduce our guest host, uh, and the guest host will be who we hear in a few moments. Um, all right, so I'll go. Uh, my name is Alex Lane. I'm a PhD candidate at Purdue University, um, and I let's see. Uh, I really like dogs, and I played about eight hours of a game called Wolf Quest in the last two days. So, there we go. I study video games also, but that's secondary. You're the one who introduced me to that game, Sarah, so I completely blame you. You're the one who sat in on the class, though. It's all your Sam made me. (laughs) I was, like, pushing my real dog away. I'm like, no, no, I need to play this virtual dog. Get away from me. That's terrible. I know. So, Sarah, tell us about yourself. Um, I'm Sarah. I am a undergraduate at Purdue University as well, um, double majoring in creative writing and professional writing. Um, I am graduating soon, looking for a job, and hope to be a script writer or narrative designer for video games post-graduation, or something that will get me to that position post-graduation. Did you see that Blizzard is, like, desperately hiring people? It's plastered all over the Hearthstone beta stuff. I, I sent you her. check that out. Oh, yeah, I have, okay. I, have a, well, I have, like, a lot of have... things that are, like, com- uh, mountaining, I guess, for lack of a better word, that I have to, like, hone out my resume and get it out in real life. You should have had a teacher that made you make a resume. That's what you should have had. I... Yep. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Ironically, I was her professional writing teacher, for those of you who don't know that. <laughs> ironically, I'm in a senior job search seminar, and that's the next assignment, so getting hey, on that. Right. So. Awesome. And Charlotte? Hi, I'm Charlotte Hyde. I'm a um, PhD student at Purdue University in rhetoric and composition, focusing on technical communication. Um, I've played several things to, uh, this Oh, it's been like a month now, but anyway, I play several things, and um, I'll talk about that in a minute. But I do want to say that I love my dog, my actual dog. <laughs> and that's I love my whole world with my dogs. You know that. Well, she's Gosh. sitting right next to me right now, so. Well, she I love my dog. You have a dog too, Sarah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, I mean, he doesn't live with me now, but he's at he's at home, and I love him even though I'm apparently allergic to him. Oh, nice. I am allergic to mine too. Yeah. They give me hives. The only person I know who actually hates their dog is Sam. Sam? I do not hate <laughs> my dog. Oh yes, you do. <laughs> okay. Sometimes I forget that Sam even has a dog. She like never talks about him. I do. I talk about him all the time. Um, she, you complain about him. Destroyed all the time. something. Um, 
Okay, I'm not a I'm not a small dog person. I love big dogs, and I've always had big dogs. Um, but you left like a Saint Bernard. Yeah, and P wanted a, and I've had like Saint Bernard, Rhodesian Ridgebacks. I've always had big dogs, and um, P wanted a dog, so she got a dog from Santa. La not this Christmas, but last Christmas, um, and I was overruled, and we decided to get a small dog, something that she could handle. Um, and small dogs have very particular characteristics. Um, and then we got a puggle because we thought it would breed out the bad, um, kind of the, the negative traits in a pug and a negative traits in a beagle. But we got like the garbage disposal puggle bad that had all the, the bad traits from the pug and all the bad <laughs> traits from the beagle. You are exaggerating. So he... He howls, he digs, he's an escape artist, he snores like a bull moose. So everything that they try to breed out of Puggles, he does. What a mean thing to call your dog, a garbage disposal dog. <laughs> but, but, well, I mean, that's okay. But we love him anyway because he's so dang cute that whenever he does something, he just kind of cocks his head, and he's got these big, goofy, floppy ears, and he's like, huh, what's me? And it's like, okay, you're cute. You're forgiven this time, but next time, and then you forgive him again next time. So. <laughs> she more than once has tried to take my dog named Biggs and exchange it for her dog. Not to notice. <laughs> Biggs it is more your worked. style dog, for sure. It hasn't worked. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. That being said, sorry. Um, <laughs> this is a new. We are changing the topic of the podcast from video games to dogs. To dogs, <laughs> yeah. Virtual dogs. Virtual, Virtual dogs. Virtual dogs. There, it's the mesh. Walrus. <laughs> sorry, Sam. Thank you. So we're joined tonight um, by or uh, by currently one and soon to be two uh, guest co-hosts. Um, we're joined uh, tonight by Toph Eklund and. Rhiannon Rays, um, who are uh, contributors to um, an awesome little book that we've uh, we've all read uh, called *The Unconventional Dwarf*. Um, that um, I'm not going to tell you too much about it because I'm going to let Toph talk about it in a few minutes. But talks looks at um, character creation, non non more non traditional character creation. Um, in RPGs, and it's an awesome book, um, especially when you get somebody like me who is absolutely fascinated by character creation and spends like four hours creating every character I've ever played in an RPG. <laughs> because that's, mm -hmm. the, that's the fun part for me. Um, unlike Alex Lane, but that's another story. Uh, so, Toph... Uh, Don't even you start with me. I know, I'm sorry. Toph is a, is a genderqueer writer, critic, and scholar, um, and after a bookish childhood obsessed with Tolkien and the Muppets, uh, Z went on to complete their doctorate in English at the University of Florida with a dissertation on visual narrative and comic books and video games. That should have been my dissertation topic. Agreed. Um, <laughs> um, I know. Toph teaches creative writing at Full Sail University and writes everything from game criticism to romantic erotica. Their interests include feminist and gender theories, strategy games, and line art. Top lives in Orlando with his Zier amazing wife, crazy cute toddler, and that toddler is crazy cute, um, and geriatric cat. 
Um, and we'll be <laughs> and we'll be joined in a bit by uh, uh, sorry, <laughs> my crazy cute kid just ran in uh, by Rianon Ray. She's always um, doing that. I know, aka Ryan uh, Johnson Lear, who rides from one adventure to the next as a musician, artist, and writer. Unwilling to settle on any one thing, she acquired a license to do all the things with degrees in game, art, and creative writing. <laughs> I like that. I need a license to do all the things. I need everything. That's amazing. Um, I should have done all the things. <laughs> An occasional critic, clown for the Metal News Online Network, Rhiannon uh, is busy writing and recording her first album with Even Death May Die. <laughs> Um, you, you want to go uh, attend to her, I can keep going for you here. Um, okay. Don't say I never did anything for you. So, uh, uh, <laughs> is there anything you'd like to say, Tofa, uh, to introduce yourself besides what we, uh, what Sam said there? Well, I just realized what I should have uh, clarified before we began. It, it's, it is Tof with a long O, just like tofu, not toff like toffee. So, okay. Um, Which not, one did not, I not say? Not a big deal. You said you, you said, said tough, but we said tof for the last like forty minutes, Sam. You said I, it. I don't know I don't why know, don't you know, like crazy. brain freaked out. <laughs> See, that's what it is. The cold medicine's kicking in. She's thinking. Well, of, she no. Right. She's thinking of Avatar, right? Tough. So oh, perhaps. Not really tough. No one's thinking of Avatar. Thanks, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, tof. Sorry. Please go ahead. Now I'm thinking of Avatar. Um, so, I. <laughs> Just uh, mention that some of you folks start with, you know, things people are reading and playing. Um, lately, gaming-wise, I've been dividing some time between Rogue Legacy and the uh, Hearthstone beta. And, Yay, Hearthstone! Uh, and uh, I, I'm reading uh, Octave. Uh, and in my ongoing search for Yuri manga that is not about schoolgirls. <laughs> it does exist, uh, and there is even some that is not Moe in its art style. Um, but uh, that's, that's something I should probably save for the next time I'm talking about comics, not games. So, uh, Octave's pretty good. Though. I would love to hear your recommendation because I want to get into that kind of stuff, but I do not want to read about little schoolgirls. So, if you have some recommendations, maybe we can post some links uh, on the sh on the page on the show page. Alex, I feel offended. You've never asked me, and I'm anime and manga fan. Well, I don't know. We've never really talked about it. If you said that stuff existed, I would have asked you. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> well, Sarah and I can compare notes on that. Yeah. There you go. There you go. All right. Well, we talk about comic books, too. That's all part of video games, anyway. I mean, oh, yeah. Really. Yeah, we talk about comics a lot, I think. It overlaps. Mm -hmm. Probably more since Sarah's joined us than we have in the past. Since we have a resident expert, indeed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's always fun to talk about, too. Absolutely. So what we're going to do is we're going to jump in and do our usual kind of early stuff, which is the fun stuff, what you're playing, what you're eating, and most importantly, what you're drinking. Uh, <laughs> indeed. Um. And uh, see, here we're going to do is we're going to do the proper thing, and I'm going to remember to be polite this time. Well, Tofa already talked about what he was playing and reading. In so terms of Hearthstone, yes, you're right. He okay. needs to do some drinking. That's about it. Uh, well, we'll let we'll wait and let and let and let do the the drinking when we do all do the drinking. There we go. Okay. Well, all right, that's fair enough. Fair enough. So, and I'm going to do me, and I'm going to do try to go quickly. 
because I got a pretty good list again because we didn't we had technical difficulties last time. Um, I've been playing the Bravely Default demo on the 3DS. Um, and I was not going to play it at first because, you know, sometimes, especially with JRPGs, the demos are so disconnected from the actual game that they're horrible and you never want to play the game after that. Um, and it wasn't that it was necessarily horrible and made me never want to play the game, but it was so disconnected from the game and there was, like, no tutorial on how to do things. You just kind of had to figure it out that it really just made me mad. Um... But I've played quite a lot of it because there's because it's a really long demo. It's like four plus hours of content. Um, but I've played quite a lot of it because um, so there's something pretty engaging there, even though the demo itself was frustrating. Um, and what I really like is that um, the main character in your party, the leader of your party, even the default leader, um, is a female character. Um, and not a scantily clad, um, bubble-headed female character, as can be the case from time to time. Or the character, especially the character that they've tried to turn lightning into, and I'm really interested to see what happened with that next week. Um, <laughs> but I still love my Sarah and I will though. argue about that later, I'm sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so... Uh, I'm I'm actually contemplating picking up Bravely Default um, to play at this point uh, because I want to see if it's as engaging as it seems to be through the demo. Um, that's all I'm going to say about that. And then, um, God, I've been playing a lot on my Vita lately. And I think Charlotte's probably in the same boat because there's they've had like this awesome sale for one. Yep. Um, and then there's been some good stuff uh, coming across that's free on PSN for PS Plus members. Um, so I've been playing that I've, uh, uh, um, a series that I've never played before, Sly Cooper, Sly Cooper Thieves in Time, um, which is actually a beautiful, it's a beautiful game, and it's actually kind of fun. Um, so I was fun with that one. Um, the only problem with that one is that P saw it and she was like, looks like a cartoon. I want to play it. Give me the Vita. Um, <laughs> and that's actually been one um, handheld, one, one console period that she's never really shown any interest in uh, because of the games on it. Um, but yeah, Sly Cooper, we've been playing Sly, a little bit of Sly Cooper together, kind of lap co-op. Um because you play Sly Cooper, and you have to go back in time to get all of these different artifacts from your ancestors who also stole lots of things. Um, I also have been playing Smart As. Uh, yeah, there's a play on Smart As as in Smart As. Um, womp, womp, womp. Womp, 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 <laughs> which is kind of like a brain training game. Um, you know what? I'm going to let somebody else jump in, Alex, and go next, because my kid's screaming from the other room. <laughs> really? She seems perfectly content to me. I don't <laughs> yeah, know. right. Uh, it was like that one time my dog started choking. Do you guys remember that? And she was like, <laughs> like choking behind the door. That was that was terrifying. Anywho, so uh, this is what I played. I have played um, almost every minute of my game time the last few weeks has gone to Lego Marvel Superhero. Um, and I will tell you why, because it is an amazing co-op game. And it's so difficult. Like, the last time I enjoyed a co-op game this much, it was 
um, well, there's two at the same time, uh, Portal 2 and Dungeon Defenders. Like, those were wonderful co-op games. You didn't have to play online to do co-op. It was like, it, it's like, you can tell a difference between when they just add another person there to follow you around and when the, the puzzles are actually made for two people to solve, right? So um, I played, I've played a lot of LEGO Marvel Super Hero. If anybody else has played it, I'm over 80% now, so I have over 200 gold bricks. I've saved 35 Stan Lees. I have all of the little stoplight things. I'm rocking it. Um, and now I have, I'm, I'm obsessed because the ones I'm missing are the races. You have to do like these races through the city and it's like impossible and I'm, it's really difficult. Has anybody else played it? Well, I'm playing it on the, the Vita and it's not quite as magical of an experience. So It was, qu it was quite magical for me. I enjoyed it. Yeah, was um, I know Sam's played it a little bit. Yeah. Um, I've been playing some Clash of Clans. I don't remember if I was playing that last time we recorded, but I got kicked out of my clan. Um, so I'm sad about that. So uh, now I play this game about having friends, and I have no friends. So that's good. Um, and I was in a guild of teachers. My clan was like all teachers from Minnesota, and they kicked me out. So I think that's horrible. But anywho, <laughs> um, my nephew uh, and I, he's teaching me how to play Minecraft. Um, and so we sit on Skype, and he has his Minecraft on his uh, iPad, and I have it on mine, and he, like, talks me through how to do stuff. Um, but the problem is, is, like, he's so... You, you know, like, kids, when they're really good at a video game, they just want to, like, take it out of your hands and, like, do it, right? And, like, the stuff they're saying makes no sense because you have no, like, marker for what they're talking about. They're like, use this tool, and I'm like, what? I don't know what that means. So, anyway, he has no patience for me. So that's not... I'm really terrible at it still. Uh... But uh, I've been doing that. And then uh, Wolf Quest. Um, Wolf Quest. Oh, someone wrote, oh, God, no, not Wolf Quest behind my... <laughs> it wasn't there. me. That may or may not have been me. <laughs> <laughs> my, my wolf named Walrus and I um, have had a lot of adventures, but I will talk about that during my Indie Game of the Week segment. Uh, back to you, Sam. Okay, thank you. Well, apparently, when you lose your stuffed Hulk doll, that um, causes, you know, many breakdowns. <laughs> You have a stuffed Hulk doll? Hulk. I want to be your kid. Yeah, yeah. she has a... Yeah, well, she's got, she likes superheroes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, so Smartass, like I said, is one of those brain training games. And the funniest part was is that it's like I aced, like, the concentration and the artistic and all the other ones. But it's like... I sucked. I got like a 20% in the logic section. <laughs> and I was like, clearly this game is broken. Um, <laughs> and, I like wonder about that though, like those Lumosity commercials. Like, I don't, I don't know about that. Right. You know. Yeah. Or, you know, maybe, mm. you know, I've got faulty mm. logic running around. I'm going <laughs> to keep it worse. Or worse. Um, uh, la, 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 la. So I play. I play. Spel I started playing Spelunky again. Um, why? Because I was playing. It why would you do that? Why would you do that to yourself? <laughs> <laughs> Only you hated that game. You are the crazy person that has to go through and play every game, start to finish in one sitting, even if it takes you four days. I don't mind. Yeah. Yeah. I don't mind that starting game, over. Oh. Oh, it still taunts me. I can't. Like it makes. Like I literally feel sick to my stomach when you say you've been playing that game. <laughs> I, I literally feel sick right now. Why? It's a fun game. You shut your mouth. <laughs> oh. What's fun about it? 
Like the fact that it's impossible, the fact that you can't win or progress it's not really, impossible. that it's terrible. Is that what's enjoyable? I don't get it. Uh, um, I don't I know. Play, it's I, I'm bitter. It's it's not the game's fault. It's me. It is you. It's all you. Um, no, it didn't help that Sam was standing over my shoulder while I was playing it, and she was criticizing me the entire time. That yeah, was cool. not. Samantha. <laughs> Samantha. Was me. Um, I've been playing still a lot of Hearthstone. Yeah, I'm, see, I'm moving on at that point. I've been playing a lot of Hearthstone, Hearthstone still. I know, I love Hearthstone. It's so much fun. And it's one of those games that you sit down. Huh? Plays it too, so there we go. We should get a big yeah. thing going. Yeah, we should. I sit down and I say, okay, I'm going to play for a few minutes, and then you look up and like three hours has passed. Um, and I love games like flow, that. You're in the flow, Sam. I'm in the flow, see? We were talking about that in class. The flow. We're in the flow. Um, and then because, you know, it is the current uh, addictive game of choice in my house, we've been playing more Super Mario 3D World. The, and, I, and like I said, that game for me has made, has made me dust, the, dust off my uh, Wii U and actually play the dang thing. More than anything else that we've bought so far. So I, I almost you don't feel like you dusted your Wii U already. Oh my God! I had I, whatever. You were just trying to get me to buy it like a week ago. Well, no, no, no. That's why I said the Super Mario 3D World made me dust it off. Um, that's why I was trying to get you to buy it a week ago. Super Mario 3D World I bought at Christmas, and that's mm. just what we're still playing on the Wii U. That's P's current game of choice, which is fine with me because that means I don't have to play through another hundred and something hours in Nino Kuni. <laughs> <laughs> Morning, no Kuni. No, um, and and I'll just mention it, and then I'll talk about it more when um, Charlotte talks about it. But uh, Charlotte and I had a fist fight, and she won um, on who got to write the Power Hour review for Broken Age. Um, but I've been playing Broken Age as well. The um, you know the Kickstarter record breaking um, point and click adventure game. By Double Fine, um, and I, like I said, I won't talk about it until Sarah talks. I mean, until Sarah, until Sarah, until Charlotte talks about it, and we'll talk about it more then. Um, and I have to mention this because I've been playing since I'm teaching this um, grad seminar um, in games this semester, and I'm doing it a little differently and not just focusing on video games, but focusing on games and game elements. I've been playing a lot um, more. Um, board games and board games that I've never played before uh, because different people bring in different games every week to demonstrate certain things. So I've been playing a lot of fun board games um, and buying a lot more board games, unfortunately. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but like I've played uh, Takedo. Which was actually a fun little a fun little game, and they were laughing at me because every every five seconds I kept asking, "When do I get to kill something?" And unfortunately, I never did because you don't get to kill things in that game. But I still had fun, and I prevented Sam from eating. And yeah, Sarah kept stopping me from eating because she's just mean. <laughs> um, and then uh, innovation was another one that I played and I did get to I did you know get to build kind of a very warrior like character in that because you know that's how I roll and um, that's my favorite that's my character of choice um, uh, another game where you get to play a bully that beats up other people and I played with 
uh, and actually, uh, you were you in the game. You won that, that game, right, Sam? No, you won that oh, game, right? Alex Lane. Oh, which is what you really right. want everybody ah. to know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Called lunch money. Um. What happened is Sam beat me up so bad I only had one health, so everyone else felt so bad going after me that they went after each other, and then I just hoarded health cards, and then bam, 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 right at the end, got all my health back. That should teach you to trust anybody, Sam. I don't trust you. <laughs> I know you better. <laughs> I lured you in. And then um, another one that I've uh, been playing, it was one of the games that I kick-started, um, and I don't think I mentioned it before, but it is, um, like I said, it was a kickstarted kind of indie board game um, for kids that's meant to teach kids kind of the basics of programming called Robot Turtle. Um, and it, it's surprisingly a lot of fun. Um, and because you can kind of scaffold the rules in the game, it works quite well for four- and five-year-olds. But... Um, I brought it to class to play test with the grad students, and we were able to scaffold it in such a way that we even had fun with it. So it's a pretty good game. Yay. That's what I've been playing. Sorry. That took a while. Was <laughs> <laughs> it my turn? Yeah, it's your turn. Okay, well, it's funny that you, that you mentioned that uh, we had a fist fight over Broken Age because I originally wanted to do Lego Movie, right? Yes. And I didn't want to do it because Lego Marvel Super Heroes on the, on the Vita was uh, getting terrible reviews. Mm -hmm. So I finally ordered it because it was cheap. And that game is a mess. I mean, it's a mess. <laughs> I don't even know what else to say. It's like the worst game I've ever played. Ever. So um, The I, worst game you've ever played, really? That's pretty harsh. Really bad. It's really Damn. bad. The levels are... Did you ever play Spelunky? <laughs> the levels are roughly 20 seconds each. It's the craziest thing. What? It's awful. <laughs> you you can't jump. You can't really do anything. They give you, like, tutorials for some of the characters, and then some of them they just throw at you, and you're like, I don't even know who this is or what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. It's a mess. It's a mess. So after all that argument over uh, Lego Movie and Broken Age, I pre-ordered Lego Movie on 360 because I don't trust them anymore. <laughs> That's a good. That's a good. That's a good plan. Um, but some of the Lego movies on the handhelds are horrible. But and Lego I, and Batman, I, Lego Batman Two was awesome. Lego Batman Two was awesome on everything. Um, the um, one that was most painful to me was the Lego, Lego Lord, Lord of the, of the Rings. Rings. That was Ugh. horrible. If, so, if, if Marvel superheroes is worse than Lego Lord of the Rings, I will eat my hat. I don't know. I'll let you play that. It's horrible, and it may be more horrible for me because I originally played uh, Lego Marvel Super Heroes with you. Uh huh. For the, well, I think it was the 360. Yeah, it was the It was the 360. And so I guess it was even more of a disappointment because it, it, I, I get this game that was like it's fun on the X Bone. When I was, it was it's awful. It was fun on the 360 too. So yeah, it's totally awful. I've actually so, never played a Lego game. Oh, they're so much fun. Let me accept this one. <laughs> this was actually my first one that I'd ever bought, too. So, Oh, I would start with Lego Batman, too, because no, nothing really compares to that. But Well, anyway. I pre-ordered the Lego movie game, so we'll see how that works out. Yeah, me too. I got it. It's on. The, well, it's, it's supposed to be here on Friday, so we'll see. 
Um, then I, I found this really strange one uh, when I was on Steam called Serena. It was free. Um, psychological horror point-and-click game. Mm-hmm. It was sort of, it was very intriguing and sort of strange. I'm not sure if I can recommend it, but um, googling it. <laughs> yeah, you, you're you play this this man who's in a cabin that he used to share with his wife, who's inexplicably missing, and he can't remember why. Oh, and it, it it's really interesting. Um, it's sort of depressing. I don't know. I guess as I was I was playing it, I was thinking about that one game, Sarah, that you had reviewed recently. The Catwoman. Oh yeah, the Cat Lady. Yeah, I was like, this is this is uh, I don't know. I felt vaguely disturbed for the rest of the day after I played it. But um, on to happier things. I played also played Sly Cooper: Thieves in Time because it, it was on sale on the Vita, which is a much better experience. And probably part of why I hated the Lego Mar- Super Marvel superheroes because Sly Cooper sort of showcases what the Vita can do. Yeah, it does. And Lego Marvel does not. <laughs> So I, I went from Sly Cooper to Lego Marvel, and I was like, what are you doing? What is this game? Sly Cooper is so much fun, though. I, I really like the cartoon aspects, and it makes me just want to... It's beautiful. Yeah, just get up on Saturday morning and instead of watch cartoons, play this game. But, it's kind of like Pokemon. Pokemon, the new Pokemon, Pokemon X, has made me watch the Pokemon car- uh, cartoons more. Yeah, it made me go back to the cartoons, too. Yeah, so I'm really enjoying that. And then um, Limbo is on sale, which I've already played, but um, <laughs> it's, I'm like I'm like in love with this game. It's so beautiful, and it was on sale on the Vita, so I had to have it again. So I'm playing it again, and it turns out, if Alex is listening, that it is just as much fun the second time. Oh, I absolutely am listening. And you introduced that game to me the first time, and I I loved it. It was it's. It was right when I started my indie game phase, which is still going very strong, and it was one of the very first games I did um, for the indie game of the week. It's one of the, it's actually the game that inspired it, and and you and I played it at Games Learning and Society Conference. Right. Um, when I was well, we don't need to talk about that conference more. However, um, <laughs> it was fun. But uh, yeah, I watched you play it, and I loved it. So yeah. Yeah, so I'm playing it again, and it's it's really really awesome on the Vita. The controls are much better. This is when we also discovered the you could plug a Xbox controller into your computer, which makes things easier. Yes, indeed. Um, and I so then I stole an Xbox controller that weekend, but yeah, well, I bought mine legitimately on Amazon. Well, I earned it. That's Aquaville nice. Adventures. Aquaville Adventures. I forgot about yeah. Aquaville Adventures. Yes. How could you forget? There was a video I game challenge. I, I forgot I had a name. <laughs> there was a video game challenge that Microsoft put on at this conference, and I had by far the best video game. I spent the whole weekend programming it and entered into the contest, and it got second place behind, do you remember? Behind Zapplezax, which was the worst game ever. Yes. The worst. And so I, I earned that controller. That Alex is a little contest. bitter about that if you haven't figured this out. They can eat it. <laughs> Zapplezax. Apparently. <laughs> well, now, oh I, now I have a controller to plug into my computer, so everybody wins. And so then, of course, I played Broken Age, the one that I apparently stole from Sam, mm-hmm. um, which I chose because for my power hour because, unfortunately, there's not a lot going on in games right now. Um, well, not this week, anyway. There's a bunch of stuff coming out later in the month. Yeah, this month. I was, but I've, I was, I've been looking for like three weeks. <laughs> so, um, 
the only two games that interested me were Lego Movie, which you'd already claimed, and Broken Age. I really like Broken Age, and I, I wrote about this in my review, but um, people talk about the nostalgia of it. I don't have that. I don't think it's necessary to have it to love the game. Yeah, I don't think so either. Um, it's a beautiful game. It's very disturbing. <laughs> uh, I, I was comparing it to the Hunger Games in my mind when I was playing it. Um, but you switch back and forth between the two characters, the Bella and Shay. And Bella is um, a young girl going off, uh, not young, well, sort of young, 15 years old, I think, going off to yeah. the Navy East, which is basically to sacrifice the town's 15-year-old girls. Mm-hmm. The Beast. So they and she's. I loved her because she was. She was just um, very exasperated with everybody around her. You know, like what, what are we doing? Why why don't we fight this? And then um, I'm not. I'm still not sure about the other character, the the, the boy who lives in space by himself, because um, I haven't gotten very far in his story. But I don't know. It's really interesting. I want to hear what Sam thinks about it too. You know, I thought I liked it a lot. I mean, it was like it was like you were playing the game, and it was like, oh, great! You know, here we go. They're gonna sacrifice the maiden to the beast. Um, it's like, now how's this gonna play out? I mean, you kind of know what's gonna go on, and then she's like, no, man, fuck that! We're gonna fight this monster. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what I thought first step bomb of the day, mark it down. Oh yeah, it's always <laughs> me. It's always me. I'm sorry. Thirty-seven minutes in. Well, that's better than I usually do. Um, <laughs> way better. Way better. Um, what I thought, one of the things I thought was interesting is when they were doing the maiden feast and they had the maidens all set up for um, sacrifice. Is that the way that they had? Uh, and I'm not quite sure how I feel about this, right? Because I understand the need to criticize certain. Yes. Tropes. Yes. Right? Yep. Um, I don't like for those tropes to be made fun of at the expense of other women. Yes. I, I had the same hesitation, and I, I wasn't sure. Because um, I, I was thinking just trying to make a point. Right. And on the other hand, it's still there. <laughs> because they, they had... Um, they had Bella, who was very much the kind of strong, assertive, very kind of athletic, and it, she did seem very much like, um, oh God, I mean, her name just totally escaped me. What the hell is her name from Hunger Games? Katniss. Katniss. Yeah. She seemed very much like a Katniss, right? Yeah. Because she, the first thing she's like, okay, so what can I use as a weapon, and let me figure out how I can do this, right? So, and she was very much kind of take charge, I'm badass, I'm going to take care of myself, kind of. Um, character, but then they had other characters, like they had the kind of, you know, vapid girl who only drinks bubbly water, and then they had um, the, the full figure, the full figure girl with the big with the big ass chicken leg, and she's like, yeah, yeah well, he's gonna want me because there's more meat on my bones, and maybe he'll want me because I got chicken leg, right? So they they were going through all of these kind of stereotypes of different kinds of women, yeah. um, and portraying them as na as negative in many ways. Um, and so was it critiquing the stereotype or was it critiquing I felt like it was women? critiquing the stereotype. That's I how think I it was attempting to critique the stereotype, Ooh. but it it was so kind of fine line walking that it almost at times it almost felt like it was critiquing that kind of woman at the yeah, same yeah. time. I, I can agree. I, when I when I first was playing it, I originally thought they were critiquing the stereotype, but it, it does 
sort of fall into that. And that was that was kind of like, oh, that you know, that's that moment. the difficult line between perpetuation and critique when you're Absolutely. portraying things like that and representing them. So yep, yeah, which we'll talk about later when we talk about the book. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I say goo. <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> well said. <laughs> All right. Um, so we have we have we're on this for far too long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As always. That always to us. I'll be quick. <clears throat> go ahead. What you got? Okay. Oh, Sarah, I'm sorry. I forgot you had gone. I wouldn't have said that. You take all the time in the world. <laughs> no, it's okay. No, she didn't. Um, she meant it. So, <laughs> a lot of what I, <laughs> a lot of my time was spent playing uh, Animal Crossing DS Cute, which I have previously criticized. What is that? It's it's you do you do know um oh not Animal Crossing oh my gosh, wow Harvest Moon DS. I was gonna say what the hell. I don't know what I, it's it's still even though I'm not playing you it. You have Animal Crossing it's still on the like, way. Yeah, but Harvest Moon DS Cute, which I have previously criticized. And still criticized, but am yet also still addicted to it. <laughs> that you, happens a lot. If you remember, I criticized it because um, basically what they did was they took uh, a version of Harvest Moon that was uh, featuring a male character and did the same setting and stuff and basically the same um, conditions and stuff, same people and stuff, except... You are now a girl, but they only added one additional um, male character to the like village, and so most of your romance options are like fairly old men, and you seem pretty young, and the other ones are all at least middle age, except for one guy who is like the attractive guy, but he's basically a douche. And he is a thief. And just lots of... There are lots of things that are a problem with it. But I'm still really addicted to it. Building my little farm. Um, I don't know. It's one of those games that you just, just have to put in a lot of time, do a lot of work with, and it just makes you really I've addicted. played a few of those games, and I can't even tell like if I'm a, if I'm a male or female character. I, like, I'm, I remember several games where I got to the end and I thought I was playing a female character the whole time, and then they say, like, a pronoun that that marks my gender, and I was like, I'm like, what? <laughs> like, I don't know, and Harvest Moon was one of those. When I played, I played forever, and I, I don't know, I didn't know. Oh, uh, and the ones that I've played, it's pretty clear. Like, you're... you're well, I don't read the quest text, so... Uh, mine is, like, the little avatar, so it's, like, you can actually tell. But, um, but yeah... Third that. And then also Pokemon X. Um, I recently got my fiance uh, a 3DS and I got him Y and he's been like non-stopping it and really loves it. And so now we're having challenges um, coming up with creatively themed Pokemon teams to like put in basically a hat and then we're going to pick one and then build a team around it. So if you have any creative Pokemon themes, let me know. <laughs> like I've come up with um, I have creative names, but <laughs> I've come up with um nightmare fuel team, um Pokemon who wear clothes <laughs> team, stuff like that. So if you have any suggestions, <laughs> let me know because we're making a big list. I'll work on it. Um, Parasitic Pokemon? 
prosthetic, Ooh. yes. Oh, see? Ooh, that's a good I, one. Yeah, that's a good one. I've heard, like, farm animal Pokemon, um, like, vegetable and plant Pokemon, stuff like that, so it's pretty intense. Um, and then I started playing, like, I started playing Amnesia, a machine for pigs again, and then I realized why I stopped playing it, because I have this yeah. very, very weird, I really love horror games, and I really love writing horror scripts and stuff like that, but actually playing it, it, it <laughs> makes me very like nervous and jittery, and I just can't take it. <laughs> I loved that game. I really try. Well, Charlotte, we were at a we were at like a game party, and Charlotte went to a room by herself. What was that? Outlast. Well, Outlast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Went to yeah. a room by herself, shut all the lights off, and stayed there. And it was like two o'clock in the morning in this building where there no was no one else. Like it was <laughs> Charlotte. It was crazy. I screamed out loud. <laughs> I, can't, I kept coming to check on you because I was nervous. And the thing <laughs> is that I, I really love the paranormal and I really love like ghosts and stuff in real life. And I would, in a heartbeat, go to a haunted location and do like ghost hunt. But just playing the horror games, just get it gets me. I'm not sure why. I'm it. not sure why either. I wish it wouldn't because I want to actually be able to play them instead of just watching walkthroughs. But it's it makes me very sad. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess if you have any advice, it's emotional on how to get rid of that. Have a lot in the middle of the night. I was also playing a lot of Mario Party, the first and second version. Um, Mario Party, the, f the first Mario Party was cruel. Like, they, you, if you lost, they took away coins. <laughs> and, like, I, it's just, like, very... It was, it was a more intense experience, I'd say. They've kind of, like, toned it down. Which, in some ways, is good. In some ways, it makes... Well, I guess it's also good in those ways because it makes you not as, like, aggressively competitive against each other, but still... Um, and then also Wolf Quest, which is a good segue into indie game. Wolf I guess. Quest. Wolf Quest. Is that next? Uh, well, I'm is supposed it? to go after news, but we can go now since oh. we segued, right? Yeah. Yes, you can go right. ahead. All right. So, okay. Uh, Wolf Quest. I'm going to read the little uh, description here, and then I'll give you the, the rundown on it. Wolf Quest, Wolf Quest is an immersive. 3D wildlife simulation game. I bet you have never said those words in your entire life together. But anyway, <laughs> immersive 3D wildlife simulation uh, that lets players learn about wolf ecology by living the life of a wild wolf. Mine was named Walrus, and she was amazing. Uh, in Yellowstone National Park, uh, you play alone, or there's an online component as well. Or you play up to four friends in a wolf pack as it may be. Uh, in episode one, Ameth Amethyst Mountain, players explore the wilderness, hunt elk, and encounter stranger wolves. Um, and it's all in the service of finding yourself a mate. Um, and then there's episode two, which we didn't get to, um, that has you uh, find a den, establish territory, and raise your puppies and defend against predators. Um, so the, the reason why I wanted to single this game out as my indie game of the week. Um, besides, it was introduced by Sarah. That was very, very wonderful. Um, <laughs> and uh, 
So uh, th- I thought this game was so cool. It was uh, made by the Minnesota Zoo, and I'm from Minnesota, so of course I loved it already. Um, and I just think for a game that like some zoos and museums and a park made, like all together, they pooled their money. Like it's kind of awesome. Uh, we played it, we we captured the attention of lots of people that were standing around us, and I don't know, it just, like, I, I'm not a big serious game person, in fact, I'm the anti-serious game person, typically, um, but I think they just do a really good job of making this game, so um, that that's my indie game of the week, you should check it out at wolfquest.org. Have our next member who just joined us. Yes, hello, can you hear me? Welcome, you had a late train, huh? Yes, yes I did. Uh, well, we're glad you're here. <laughs> thank you, thank you for having me. It was, yeah, it's so cold outside, and it was, I guess all the equipment is just breaking down, so. Oh, oh dear. Well, this is Rhiannon Reyes, one of the authors of the book we were talking about, uh, er, uh, we were talking about earlier. We gave a, we gave a big introduction of you. So. Oh, thanks. <laughs> it was, it was very nice, so, but, uh, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Yes, yes. Okay, well, let's go ahead and we'll, I'll go quickly through the news and then we can start getting to some questions, okay? Because um, there's been some, some interesting news uh, this week. Um, and just to touch some high points. Um, okay, so here's the interesting thing, because we've been talking about Metal Gear Solid on the site lately, is that, you know, sources, sources, quote-unquote, say... Um, and then Kojima-san came out l- earlier today and, and defended the length, so it sounds like the sources are actually telling them the truth. But sources say that the campaign for the new Metal Gear Solid game is only two hours long. Um, now, and that's the thing, is that, you know, what? Isn't that crazy? Campaigns for games that are largely multiplayer have never been insanely long. I mean, because a lot of the, call, the more recent Call of Duties have only been four mm-hmm. or five hours long, but really, two hours long? Because I don't That's play the multiplayer. Crazy. Because I don't like to deal with the sexism and the racism and, you know, and the, the kind of rampant xenophobia that goes on in the chat in the multiplayer channels. So I only play the mm-hmm. campaign. That's and a lot no of money. Way. I'm out. paying 60 bucks for a two-hour game. That's crazy because they want to, like, a huge complaint against Mirror's Edge and I bring this up because it was my favorite game. I was going to say, that, you're um, a mirror's edge. I am. I'm like a fanatic. Mm-hmm. But a huge complaint was that it was it was short. And it was, like, at least three or four times as long as what they're describing for this. Well, I thought Tomb Raider was short. I thought Mass Effect 3 were sh- was short. And they were both nine-hour games, maybe. I don't know if anybody else played those. Oh, mine was much been. longer for Mass Effect. <laughs> well, I, I didn't know, play like one and two, so I didn't have like a character built up. I just like uh, jumped in at three. Well, so. see, that's because you tried to shortcut. <laughs> well, I I was doing the best I could. Okay, so I don't know. I, but but Tomb Raider, the the newest Tomb Raider, was very short as well. well yeah, but it wasn't two hours long. <laughs> it certainly wasn't. That's what I'm saying. Like, there's these there's these campaigns that are very short and. Like Sarah was saying, they're still three times, four times as long as that. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, because that that's, you know, that mean on a good night, that's less than one full kind of play session for, for a game. Yeah, it was like one sitting. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, I could do easily like eight hours in one sitting too, but hey, I was gonna say that's like a quarter of a sitting. <laughs> like a sixth. For of a some sitting. people, Alex Lane. For some people. Well, and um, go ahead. Oh, I just you know I do a lot of my gaming in smaller chunks, and when I'm talking a, a say three dollar uh, iPad game. If it's only two hours long and tells a complete story in two hours, I'm often happy. But that's three bucks or maybe five at most. Not right. That's not sixty dollars. Exactly. And that's what. Yeah, that's exactly. What and maybe they're trying to take cues from like these social games and these iOS games that are really popular. But you cannot charge sixty bucks for that. That's crazy. Okay. Um, crazy. And then. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, More news? The next... Or are you distracted? Sounds the like next... you got a kid screaming there. No, she's just talking. Oh. Um, well, because she, she's been sick. She she napped until like 8 o'clock, so there's like no way she's going to bed anytime soon. Pay attention to me! You're right. Um, the, the next news item was the whole That Girl fiasco. Uh, that's been going on, and I put that in there, um, but then Alex and I'm going to make you talk about it, because you wrote about it this week. Uh, yeah, that was my post this week. Um, what, what I talked about was the, uh, there was a, a woman who has a sort of unnamed relationship with the gaming community. Uh, basically, we know she was a, a game industry veteran for many years, um, who was uh, being, being sexually harassed by a, a video game journalist, um, who was named Josh Mattingly, if I remember correctly. Um, correct yep, that's who it was. Okay. Uh, I don't have my story in front of me. but Which I should have, because I should have known you were going to make me talk about this one. Uh, so anyway, so uh, uh, she the the post, uh, the picture of the conversation that happened between the two of, uh, two of them was posted, and then she gave an interview, an anonymous interview, to a friend of hers who was also, also a game journalist about what happened and sort of the treatment she gets in the game industry all the time. And what it came down to was this sort of this code of silence that a lot of women who are successful in the gaming industry um, have adopted. And, and you know, she, she's sort of sitting there looking at herself. And what I, what, I, what I find so fascinating about this story is because a lot of times when a story actually comes out, you have a woman who's like, you know, I'm not going to put up with that. This is not appropriate, blah, blah, blah. And, and her story was, was one that, that I identify with, and, and from the comments I was getting on, the, on my post, I think a lot of people identify with, which is something happens to you and you're so shocked you can't respond. Like, you get paralyzed by this sexual harassment, and you, don't, you just don't know what to do. And um, so you can see in the conversation she's trying to get out of it uh, graciously without... As she said, she's worried she's going to become that girl and ruin her reputation. So, so the fear of becoming that girl has kept a lot of people who would be very vocal about this stuff normally silent for a really long time. So that's the that girl story. Yeah, and it, and it kind of was trending as a hashtag in terms of, you know, the, as the that girl hashtag on Twitter, the whole discussion about, you know, what women go through because they don't want to be labeled that girl, right? I mean, and it's, it's, 
It's the same. Um, we've had that discussion before because um, do you remember it was it's, several it's more months oppressive ago. than the direct threat, you know, like the direct right. threat of that person doing something to you. The, that girl thing is, yeah. Do you remember several months ago? Because Krista Charter wrote this this huge um, blog post, kind of apologizing for the stuff that she had put up with when she was working at Microsoft. Um, I mean, and it. I mean, and it was. It was horrible. Not only kind of the the blatant sexism, um, but the come ons that basically bordered on rape threats, right? And the fact that she, you know, she kind of, you know, said that she put up with these things, uh, well, because of, you know she was, you know, a single parent. She had children to support. She didn't want to be labeled that girl. She didn't want to make herself unemployable, right? It's all of these things that come in when we start thinking about women who work in the industry. So, I mean, it's, it's something that goes on all the time. And, and, you know, and when you posted that on Facebook, right, there were, there were other women who didn't work in the games industry, who worked elsewhere, who had their own stories about um, things that they had put up within the workplace. Why? Because they didn't want to be labeled that girl, right? They did, it was a question of job security. It was a question of, you know, not just, you know, not just as, I don't want to say as simple because it's not simple as being labeled that girl, but just, you know, being in a kind of tenuous employment situation to begin with. And I think that, yeah. you know, that happens all over the place all the time. And, you know, that was, that was kind of my pseudo joke about, you know, we need to embrace the becoming that girl, right? <laughs> And, um, you know, and I know for a lot of people, they say it's, it's easy for me to say that, you know, because I'm tenured. And, 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 I, uh, and I recognize that fully and completely. Um, that and the fact that I am just a bitch, but that's okay. But, um, I, embrace I mean, that how many well. times have we known about something like this and we still couldn't speak about it because it's not our story to report, not our story to tell, something like that. You know, I mean, so having tenure doesn't necessarily mean you're any less restricted by the social norms of the stuff happening. Right. Well, and sometimes it has to be people who have a certain amount of insulation who speak up first. Yeah. Because the culture fear is so deep. And, and, and you know, it, it does, you're right. It, you're absolutely right. It becomes the question of, you know, you, you, it's sometimes easier for people who are, don't have power to kind of come out and say, here's what's happening to me if there's someone who has a certain amount of power that speaks up and says, we need to become that girl, and I'm here to back you up no matter what when that happens. What it seems like is hap what happens to me in at least in academia, and it sounded like from the um, the anonymous uh, sort of weigh-ins from different women in the community, it's happening in the games industry as well. Um, what happens is you don't, you, there's no reporting it, um, but there's a back channel of people, men and women, who support, you know, people not getting sexually harassed, I guess. Uh, but there's this back channel. Um, where everybody knows what's happening and they can sort of edge out this person or, you know, not buy stuff from that person or not bring them on the team or whatever. Um, and it's sort of that unspoken thing, that network that gets dispersed. 
um, when something like this happens. At least that, that's a, that's what I've seen, especially when it's someone who's powerless and, and everyone understands that it's very difficult for them to come forward. Mm -hmm. But maybe I'm crazy. Did you say tell you if you're crazy? He said no, I said, but maybe I'm crazy. I don't know, but that's what oh, it seems like to me. No. <laughs> Those are two separate issues, Alex. Two separate issues. I mean, crazy in this regard or crazy in general? Wrong in this instance. <laughs> yes. Now I'm in myself sad. Way to go, Sam. Sorry. <laughs> all right. Well, how about we move on to? Okay. Well, it's all sad today. Um, <laughs> oh God. I'm sorry. Um. Well, not necessarily sad, but not unexpected. Um. Nintendo's buying back 1.1 billion dollars. That's B billion would it be? Um, in their own shares, kind of in an attempt to stabilize the downward spiral they're going uh, and I guess going through right now. Because of the Wii U, because from what I've seen, yeah. people love the 3DS. Yeah, but yeah. not the Wii U. Well, and I, and I wonder. I mean, because she's we, right, Sam. I know. I know. I fully trust me. Didn't I say I had to, I had to dust my Wii U off in order to play Super Mario 3D World? <laughs> I mean, because Super Mario 3D World has really been the only game that I've enjoyed on that console, and I got it at launch. So, you know, other than the various and sundry kind of party game um, that I would play for, you know, a few minutes at a time with other people, like you know, the karaoke game that I could play on any console. Mm -hmm. But there wasn't anything console specific, right? Until Super Mario 3D World, um, and I played um, Super Mario U, Zombie U. I played a lot of them, but there was nothing that made it worth the price of admission until until that. Um, and I don't even know if that necessarily made it worth the price of admission, or just you know made me feel better for spending my money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is an extreme possibility, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but then at the same time, I wonder if this is the same kind of thing that kind of went on with the 3DS, right? Because you, you, well, you all remember how pissed I was when I first bought that um, at full price, mm. and then they lowered the price like five days later, almost, or at least it felt like. Well, and they didn't for the 3DS. They didn't have the warnings about the kids playing with the th with the uh, 3D on yet, right? Right. So that no, not, didn't yeah. that come out afterwards? So mm -hmm. people buy this for their kids, and then they're like, "Oh wait, except we can't use the feature that we paid for." But whatever. Right. Mm. Yeah, you you might want to turn that off, or your kid's gonna go blind. Yeah. You know, but then then there were people like me who could never turn it on anyway because it made it made gave me a headache. I don't like it. I can't use it either. But it's, but my fiance really likes it though. He like keeps it on like almost constantly. So. So his battery life is like five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, yeah, it's it's pretty bad. Um, the the but then at the same time, you know, you kind of shoot yourself in the foot because especially with some of the more recent games like the new um, Zelda game, um, A Link Between Worlds, there when you're in some of those dungeons, you have to have the 3D on. But that's a whole nother story. Because we're trying to go go through the this is this is going through the news quote unquote quickly. Um, as <laughs> And see, and you know, any news about Watch Dogs is going to get picked up by me. Why? Because I'm still pissed about Watch Dogs. Because <laughs> that is why I bought next-gen consoles at launch was to play Watch Dogs. 
And then, like, the week before they launched, they were like, oh, yeah, but it's not coming out. Um, So, um, in some kind of unknown and weird power play, a fraudulent kind of, you know, it feels very kind of secret agent-y, shadow entity filed to have Ubisoft's watchdogs trademark terminated. Um... (laughs) And Ubisoft, like, I guess caught it right before it went through. So they were scrambling to try to get it reversed before they lost their trademark. And it was it was only as of today that they actually got it reversed so they didn't lose their trademark on Watch Dogs. And I was like, what the hell was that? Is that like another game company going or just somebody yeah. who just, like me, maybe it was me, um, is pissed off about Watch Dogs not coming out on time. <laughs> it was like, I'm going to fix your little weird wagon. Or maybe um, it actually was you, Sam. Maybe, maybe it was. See, and I'm, just, <laughs> I'm covering my tracks. I do that well. Um, <laughs> but it was, it was kind of a very, you know, like I say, it's, News-ish, but it's very strange. Get picked up by me though, because you know, watch dogs. Um. Well, you know, that's it. So we can get on with the real fun stuff, right? Yeah. Um. Yay! Yay! Fun stuff. All right. Alex, and let our guests talk for a little bit since we've been yapping and yapping. I know. <laughs> that's so, our curse, though. I know, especially with me. <laughs> Um, we're in a, we, we've introduced them earlier, but, um, we have with us Tof Eklund and Rhiannon? Rhiannon. Rhiannon. Damn. Yep. And it's Reyes? I'm not keeping yes. Um, the, who are contributors to the Unconventional Dwarf, um, collection, um, as we talked, as we talked about earlier, that, that talks about, um, non-standard slash non-traditional character creation um, and I think it was something that we all kind of found pl- like a, ple- a pleasantly surprising read right because we were like oh, I, when I first brought it when I first brought it out I was like okay guys check this out I was like I really think that we need to talk to these folks and they were just kind of like we need yeah, to talk yeah. to these people <laughs> because and and read I was it. Like, no really <laughs> it all made sense you had a bigger plan I, I always have a big plan. Um, it's just never clear to anybody except me. Um, so um, we thought we'd have them come on and chat with us a bit about um, the unconventional doors um, and um, about the the work that they're doing there um, and some other fun stuff as far as just kind of um, their own gaming habits as well, right? Uh, <clears throat> um, so kind of without further ado. Rhiannon, um, since you you um, you have you weren't here earlier when we were chit chatting, do you want to add anything and tell us anything fun about yourself that is not in your kind of bio in the book? Uh, I I don't really think I have anything to add. I mean, I'm pretty shy. I don't like to talk about myself. But I mean, if you have any questions, okay. Oh well, we do have questions. So questions, <laughs> not to worry. Questions we have. <laughs> Um, and what we'll do is we'll kind of go through, and we figured that we might have, without keeping you guys all night long, have time to um, ask two or three-ish questions apiece. 
Um, she's saying that because we all wrote up way more questions, so she's like, <laughs> cut your questions down. <laughs> so don't, ask, so really like, don't ask the 57 questions that you have listed in the show notes. <laughs> well, you just try to stop me, okay? <laughs> um, and what we'll do is we'll go around um, instead of going through and have Alex ask all 57 of her questions. Um, it's your fault, man. Your fault. And um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in for a second because I want to ask like the early question that I already I always ask, um, and that and that uh, and that I've already kind of reclaimed from Charlotte. As Charlotte probably saw in show notes. Slash Carly. <laughs> well, right, because I stole that from Carly. So yeah, I know. So we're just it's stealing like from each other. Um, it's called but, collaboration, everybody. It's fine. <laughs> that's exactly what it's called. We're a team. Uh, we've talked a, a, a lot previously about what we do, but can you guys tell us? I shouldn't say guys. I hate when I do that. Can you folks tell us? Folks. Um, I said folks. Um, a bit. I was, more I was saying it at the same time as you. Okay. <laughs> A bit like, yeah, more about folks. your own uh, gaming backgrounds, kind of. Um, what is it, like I said, because I, I am one of those people who spends four hours creating any character in an RPG that I play before I, I even officially, quote unquote, start playing the game. But for me, that time spent doing character creation is a part of the gameplay. Um, so can you tell us kind of, like I said, what's your own kind of gaming history? One, um, two, what what first opened your eyes to these issues with conventional characters, um, and how problematic these kind of unquestioned stereotypes can be, right? And I think that that's pretty interesting in light of what I was talking about earlier um, with the stereotypes that we saw and my kind of reaction to the opening of a broken age. But can you tell us more about that? Uh, sure. Um, Flip a coin, see who goes first. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to go first, Dr. Toth? Um, sure. Uh, well, let's see. Let's start with uh, gaming history. Um, I mean, I, my friends and I read Lord of the Rings around the time we were in fourth grade and started playing uh, Dungeons and Dragons as well as the... Uh, as Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and other strangenesses and some other role-playing games around that time. Um, it, it's funny you, you mentioned that uh, character creation is, is where you spend so much time. Uh, that's, th that's always been a big thing for me. There are computer role-playing games I've played where I have fond memories of character creation and I never really got into the game. Um, I, I think that Developing character is such an important part of any kind of storytelling experience, and it's one that sometimes in gaming is treated as decorative. Uh, it's window dressing, because the assumption is that every player will be able to identify with the blonde-haired, blue-eyed male protagonist. Well, no. <laughs> um, in fact, I saw, uh, who is it who recently posted about going back to Diablo 3 uh, and, uh, and you know, having problems with identification because even She's though, you know, you can actually play as male, because you can play as, as either male or female characters, but then there's the one look and one voice and one everything for that mm -hmm. character. Um, 
I, I, you know, I, the the, uh, the unconventional is uh, it's a series of books with the unconventional dwarfing the first one out. Unconventional elf should be out sometime this spring, and uh, the the concept is one that I came up with out of a love hate relationship with fantasy in particular. Uh, around the same time I read Lord of the Rings, I also read uh, The Hero and the Crown, where the mm-hmm. ass-kicking protagonist is a woman, and where Empire uh, is one of the evils. And then we've got the whole, you know, true king uh, story that plays out in Tolkien. And I love Tolkien, but Tolkien was a product of, of a certain time and place and a certain set of fears and concerns and privileges. And I sometimes feel like other genres and media have moved on more quickly than fantasy has. Um, because in fantasy you can put the, uh, the evil all into one race. It's orcs. They're bad because they're evil. And you can play out uh, certain tropes over and over again. And I, I'm not going to paint with too broad a brush there, because if I even start talking about WoW, we could probably have a debate that would go on for days there in terms uh-huh. of what WoW does well mm-hmm. and what it does poorly, where it reinvents, where it participates in cultural appropriation. Oh, yeah. Uh, and mm-hmm. so... Uh, as I have grown up as a gamer, I've always wanted story and character in my games, and so I play a lot of interactive fiction. Neither of the games I mentioned earlier are interactive fiction, but um, for one thing, in some of these games, you have a lot of room to shape your protagonist, including uh, Choice of Games does some really amazing uh, mostly iPhone and Android-centered text adventure games, but among other things, you get to choose your protagonist's sexual orientation as well as as well as their sex slash gender. Um, and I wanted to see more of those kinds of things in tabletop role-playing, and hoping that this will bleed over into some areas of video game design as well. And that's part of what the whole series is hopefully about, you know, uh, heroic adventurers who actually have families, who actually maybe have to think about what their upbringing and their childhood was like, um, making that part of character creation, who can be uh, straight or gay, uh, can be cis or trans, um, and and so many more things, um, in, including trying to intelligently break out of the very Western European setting that is your most traditional uh, go-to for fantasy. Yeah, I think that we've seen some kind of interesting, some games, especially, um, well, not especially, but some video games that have attempted to do this, Mm -hmm. and that's when we get a lot of pushback from Mm. <laughs> I'm trying to be nice here. <laughs> From nice, some folks nice. in the gaming community. I'm trying to not say mouth breathing knuckle dragging <laughs> neck beards is what I'm trying not to say. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, some pushback even in terms of like, well, the um 
the whole kind of fiasco about Jennifer Hepler and Dragon Age and Mass Effect, right? Um, well, in Mass Effect, you don't have to choose a sexual orientation. It's fluid, right? Right, it is for you, for you as a character, but there are some of the NPCs are um, have a very distinct sexual orientation, and, the, and, their, and their sexual orientation yeah. is not fluid. You cannot romance if you choose broship, um, uh, or their characters. You cannot romance if you choose femship, right? You can. Mm. They are only uh, they are only homosexual. Uh, which is which is interesting, but then that was you know there was all that blowback for Jennifer Hepler, um, and but that was for me one of the things that I thought Dragon Age did so well. Did you guys play? Did it again? Did you folks play um, Dragon Age at all? Um, I no. No. Am I am I the only person? <laughs> it's it's on my long list. Frankly, <laughs> I I really want the. Uh, the uh, just play through the story and not have to do all the fights option uh -huh. that was part of what she got, all that. And one yeah. of the things, um, not because I don't enjoy RPGs. I play and or enjoy RPGs, but I don't always have the time for the leveling and grinding and forging and all that stuff that yeah. uh, it, sometimes I just want the story. Mm. And especially the interactions in the story, the ability to make those decisions. And that was, like I said, the first, especially the first Dragon Age was an awesome game. And one of the things, I mean, and it was like, it was so deep that it kind of took you fast. I'm going to give you one spoiler that happens early on. If you play as, um, oh, which one was it? The kind of, there, there are forest elves and city elves, and I can't remember. One was Dalish, the other was, I can't remember. Um, but if you play as the city elf, you are basically kind of indentured servants to humans, and you serve humans constantly. And the human men kind of regularly come through and, for the lack of a better word, harvest young um, elvish women and Yee. break them. Um, and so you, one of the, you, as you play, um, as the, the kind of main hero or heroine in this, in this, um, this storyline, one of the first things you have to do is to rescue your cousin, um, who it becomes obvious when you get there has been gang raped. Um, yeah. <laughs> and just kind of the way that that unfolds, um, is interesting because, it is. It's, it becomes apparent if you know what you're looking for. How's that? Um, but it's not in your face. Um, but so it causes you to question a lot of stereotypes um, in ways that are not as problematic as they could be. Um, and I'd like to see games that push those envelopes, um, not in terms of rape, but in terms of making you think about what your um, what society says your role is as uh, kind of a very binary in, a, in terms of binary gender roles and what you can be in terms of who you are as an individual. Um, and that's one of the reasons I really liked that game and I was really looking forward to the next one and then they took all of that out. I was like, here's what you can be, this and only this. Um, and the game just totally sucked for me at that point. 
So yeah, I really suggest if you if you have just to even play through because there are multiple races that you can play through. Just choose like one or two of the races and play through because um, they're shorter that way. <laughs> um, just to get a feel for it, it's pretty interesting. Um, Rand, do you want to talk about your history a little bit and then maybe uh, talk a little bit about this question about why you came to this um, uh, uh, sort of perspective on on historical or traditional fantasy? Sure. Um, it's actually kind of weird because I, you know, I've, through my education I've positioned myself to kind of have some more insight into, I guess, the gaming industry than uh, your average person. However, I don't actually game a lot. Like, I don't play a wide variety of games. Like, every once in a while I'll find that one mm -hmm. game that I just, I can do it for like eight hours, you know? Mm -hmm. But uh, I'm the same way. Yeah, like, I'm You're not, not like, I'm not playing a whole broad range of games. <laughs> but, uh, I do have some experience with, a very minimal experience with the tabletop RPG. As I don't even really play, like, uh, video game RPGs, but, um, yeah, I don't think I was supposed to out myself this way. <laughs> But, you know, um, you're not the first person who works who works in games or with games who said that. Um, uh, yeah, when like when we we had Megan Marie, um, who's the community um, manager. Manager, mm -hmm. thank you. I was like, what's for the word? Crystal Dynamics, yeah. For Crystal Dynamics, um, right nice. before uh, the Tomb Raider came out, and that was one thing she was saying is she doesn't have a lot of time to play games, so she tends to watch a lot of less play videos because she doesn't have the time to play the games. And she has a few that she really likes that she plays deeply mm -hmm. yeah. um, or over a long period of time, which is mm -hmm. why she's drawn to the field. But yeah, you don't need to play thirty games a week to be a gamer. That's nonsense. Right, I know. Yeah, yeah, I'm familiar with that. And I I bumped into all that kind of uh, all that kind of um, culture. To you know that that really excludes women. When I was getting my um, undergraduate degree, because I have a bachelor's of science in a uh, game art design, and I was only one of two girls that uh, finished that program. <laughs> we were so mm -hmm. outnumbered. And uh, yeah, it's just kind of like you feel like you got to prove yourself. You got to prove why you're there. And I'm like, mm, screw you. I play games. I enjoy them. I came here because uh, what really attracted me to video games uh, was just the opportunity to inhabit a separate reality and build your own world and just you know be the hero of it. Because Tomb Raider was what really got me into video games in the first place. I was like, man, if and I that's could do it, my first as well, yeah. And, yeah. and I know what you're talking about. We've all had our moments where someone will be like, "Well, what's your favorite game? Oh, do you play Horde or yes. Alliance? Oh, are you this you. or that?" Yeah, and, and you get tested, right? And and if you look sort of like a stereotypical gamer, you never get that. But you're constantly having to justify your existence in the gaming field. And if you don't play every game through to the end, you're going to run into someone who's like, mm -hmm. well, you're not a gamer then, clearly. You only play <laughs> The Sims. That doesn't count. <laughs> Farmville. Psh. Anyway, Casual. Sorry. Keep, keep going. I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh, no, that was that's basically uh, my background in uh, in gaming and game design, and uh, I got my MFA under Dr. Toth, who taught um, character development for my master's degree, and that's what really started me off on like uh, I don't know sociology. I never actually had a proper women's studies class until Dr. Toth's class, and. Uh, and even then, it wasn't really focused on that. It was just, you know, uh, building character design and considering life from other perspectives. And, uh, yeah, so uh, Dr. Toff brought me aboard to the unconventional. I think it was 
was it a summer of like 2012? That sounds right. And uh, yeah, it's just kind of going from there. That's really I, cool. That's cool. Sorry, I asked, go ahead. No, I just was going to say that I asked Rhiannon to join uh, partially because I wanted not all of the people. I mean, there are people who are lifetime tabletop role players, people who are very serious MMORPG players who I've mm -hmm. talked to and who have contributed to the project. But in trying to have a diverse cast of people working on it, I didn't want everyone from the inside. I, I want people who mm -hmm. have some some grasp of what's going on in mm -hmm. role-playing games, but weren't too invested in some of the stereotypes I wanted right. to challenge. Right. Yeah, and, and, and from from my perspective, uh, I I got I've always been a you know a person who likes gaming sort of from afar, but I, I met that moment as well where it was sort of like I had to, you know, prove this and prove that, and I don't have a history in tabletop gaming. Um, I tried, I had, you know, some dungeon masters that were very accepting of my lack of knowledge. <laughs> like, I, I did the best I could. Um, but, you know, I, I played a few games that made a huge impact on me. Tomb Raider was the first... Uh, the first uh, really important game that sort of changed my life of, uh, what's the other one? Uh, the zombie game from like 96. Resident Evil? Resident Evil? Yeah, Resident Evil 2, right? That's a female <laughs> protagonist. Like that game I played till the end. But so, so like I, I, I feel your hesitancy to even come into a conversation like this or why it's important for someone like with your history to come into this because it, it shows that this industry, this community is far bigger than someone who's dedicated their life to games since they were two years old. Right. Yeah. It probably doesn't need saying, but I'll go ahead and say anyway that we all know that it's women who are far more likely to be tested in that way. Yeah. Yeah. There's like, there's that cartoon that shows a, you know, a stick figure doing math and there's a guy standing there, and he's like, wow, you suck at math. And there's a lady stick figure doing math, and he comes up and he goes, wow, women suck at math. <laughs> that sort of reminds me of gaming. Exactly. Oh, yeah. So, mm. I, yeah, so, who knows? Okay, so I can, can I ask one of my questions now, Sam? Yeah, you can ask one of your questions. You're the arbiter of the questions. Um, I, had a, I actually had a question about token that would have, played in nicely to what you were talking about talk, but I'm going to ask a different one instead, because it seems like we're taking up lots of time and I care about this one a little bit more. So, okay. So, uh, we talk a lot, um, and it's like personal interest of mine, uh, to look at games that are trying to be historical representations. And, and this started when I played L.A. Noir for the first time, and it was extremely sexist, and it was extremely racist. And, and Sam and I had a lot of conversations about um, video games and when they try to represent the past. Uh, so do they perpetuate when a game when a game makes entertainment out of something that's extreme, a time that we would consider inappropriate now, something that's extremely sexist or racist or homophobic, are they perpetuating it by representing it or is there room there to uh, represent something but do it in a way that doesn't 
make a joke out of it or entertain it or something like that. It seems like it's up your guys' alley. So what do you think? Well, I think um, the, the I, I forget now exactly what thread of the conversation earlier it was that brought this to mind, but I think sometimes there is a potential for a complicit critique, which is where there is critique of a problem or a critique of prejudice in a historical context, but the work in representing that prejudice is not capable of fully addressing it or fully critiquing it. Um, and so I think that, and I think it comes up in other contexts as well, that it is very hard to not wind up playing either into what you're critiquing when you're giving people a chance to live out certain things, as games do, um, or sometimes also to play into different kinds of prejudices. Oh, that's what it was. It was the, whole, it was the issue with Broken Age. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And that's right. I, I think we can salute what they were trying to do, but still be critical of the fact that they threw certain women under the bus in the process. Yeah. Um, I, I will tell you that what I tried to go for with first that I tried to keep my editorial hand in this book relatively light, but what I tried to nudge people toward was complexity and and writing in a way that was very open about the problems in the societies that that are presented here, and none of them are strictly historical, but many of them draw to varying degrees on historical cultures. And I know, I, I, I mean, if the series does well enough, sooner or later someone will say, well, look, you appropriated this culture. Instead of bringing something new into fantasy, you appropriated the world of medieval Judaism. Yes. Uh, mm -hmm. And I hope at that point to be able to take that criticism and apply it in a way that'll make us better going forward. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I, I mean, I, we're, we're way too early in this to talk about second versions of books, but um, I, I think that it is important to acknowledge what creator's intents are, but not to use a creator's stated or even fully accepted good intent as an excuse for everything, that it just lets them off the hook and they're not responsible right. for the results. Well, and, and that's what and that's what uh, prompted my me asking this question because, like I said, it's something we struggle with all the time. Um, particularly, like someone is saying, "Don't judge me for enjoying this, even though it's terrible representation." Right? Like Sarah was talking about earlier. Um, but but what I loved about your your book and especially your intro was how you sort of laid it out as like, this is, we're not, we've made this decision. We're not going to whitewash the history of this. We're not going to pretend it's not problematic and make it something new. We're going to look at it, we're going to analyze it, we're going to deal with it, and then we're going to try to make it better and make a change. And so I, I thought that was very interesting. And it must make the writing very difficult, too. Uh, I know, Rhiannon, you did lots of the writing um, and talking about, like, especially, like, anti-Semitic characteristics of dwarfs and different things like that that you just, you can't ignore. You can't, like you like you said, talk, you can't whitewash, but. 
And um, you know, that's a chapter where uh, I worked a lot with the uh, the writer of that chapter, who is a longtime friend of mine, uh, and uh, is helped originate the concept for this series. And uh, I think he and I actually have slightly different perspectives, and that actually hopefully is productive. Where he wanted to have this be a kind of representation, and I had to kind of try and figure out where the line in terms of fictionalization should be. Um, and uh, you know, since since Kevin isn't here right now, I'm I'm not going to get into that too much. But the realization that there is there are these deeply racist elements to the history of fantasy and that in terms of dwarves a lot of it comes in the form of, of anti-semitism uh, in terms of elves uh, there there's the problem that Tolkien was drawing on some of the same mythology that the mm -hmm. Nazis were drawing on that's not to yeah. say because Tolkien was not a Nazi period right. mm. but some of the same material influence them and influences the world in parallel ways because Tolkien's, Tolkien's elves are just better. D&D elves are yes. carefully balanced but Tolkien's elves are just better. They are a superior yeah. race. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, you know, I think the it's an ongoing kind of balancing act. Something we didn't address in The Unconventional Dwarf is the way that the trope of the dwarf in fiction relates to the real experience of, of little people, of people with mm -hmm. genetic dwarfism. Mm -hmm. And I, I found uh, a, a gamer and, uh, and, and real-life little person who is going to consult with us on The Unconventional Halfling and possibly contribute as well. That's, that book's still very much in That's process great. in terms of those issues. So that, so that again, I, I don't expect the prop the, the product to be perfect. Uh, if I did, I would never be able to let it out of editing and revision. <laughs> but that hopefully, yeah. if someone comes to it and is critical of it, they will at least be able to see what we were trying to do. Mm -hmm. And if they have criticism, it'll be criticism that we can use rather than, you know, it being that we were so far off base that we did worse than nothing. Uh, I, it's so easy to, to to it's so easy to screw up that yes. I, I really feel that the the a, a lot of one's focus has to be on trying to do better than nothing when it comes to prejudice in fiction. Yeah, and I know that um, everything that I've seen in regards to writing characters who are another race, um, sexuality, gender, uh, is that they really recommend that you have um, a person who is of that um, race, sexuality, gender, that you're portraying, uh, read over it and make sure that there's not that problematic element so that you can at least have that sort of reference and have it be um, an all right representation and, and I, I've like I'm also a fiction writer and I it's it, it really is it's really hard because you're 
really trying to do the best that you can uh, with the resources that you can and trying to be diverse, but you never can fully understand um, all the situations that somebody other outside of you would have. So you, so I totally understand what you're saying. There was an amazing IO9 article, I think it was IO9 on this recently. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll find the link so uh, it can be included in the show notes if you folks want to. Sure. And, and it's included a number of really important points. I, I shared it with everyone involved with the unconventional. Oh, oh, was and, it the, uh, the, wasn't it the BuzzFeed? I was just reading oh, that because I was thinking. BuzzFeed, yeah, that's what it was, it was BuzzFeed. And, and, and among the points made were, you know, you have to do your research, but research isn't enough. You can be well-researched and still create horrible stereotypes. Um, <laughs> and yeah. another one of the points that I thought was really important was, you know, don't let fear of messing up keep you from trying, mm -hmm. uh, which comes with it. Don't let trying and messing up lead to a kind of self-righteous, well, I tried, so you can't judge me attitude. Yes. Mm -hmm. I, and then going back to your first women's studies class, as you were saying, uh, Rhiannon, like, like, I remember I, I've, always, I've always had these feminist ideals and wanted to make the world better for women, and I remember someone said to me once, well, that's very essentialist. You're assuming that everyone's a woman, so you can't do this work without assuming that there are these two genders. And like that, that has always, like, still to this day, uh, like, sticks in my mind as something to think about moving forward. Um, and, and like you're saying, Top, it has obviously, since I'm part of a feminist podcast, like, has not stopped me from doing this work. Um, but it reminds me that no matter what we do, we aren't going to be perfect about it, but if we can do ethical actions and create uh, environment. I mean, we love gaming, right? That's why we're all doing this. And it's horribly problematic. Everywhere you turn, it's problematic. And if we can try to, to make something better um, while acknowledging that we're not perfect, which is really what I think the unconventional dwarf does, it really engages with that idea that this is not the perfect representation of this. But we're trying to make it better. So... I certainly hope people will take what we've done and go further, uh, both creatively and in terms of those important issues. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Should we go on to our next question? Someone else sure. besides yeah. me? Sounds good. Charlotte, you want to jump in? Or? Sure. Yeah. I can ask uh, Carly's question. Go ahead. Um, I don't know which one she... I'll just go with the one that says... Um, I often think that the lore within contemporary fantasy gaming gets a bit lazy. That is, it falls back on what we already know or rewrites history. Is this what you just asked, Alex, though? Um, uh, uh, a little bit, maybe. <laughs> maybe, but it's a little different. It's, yeah. What role do you see the uh, unconventional dwarf having in? We can make Rhiannon answer since she didn't uh, answer the last one. All right. Oh, burn. <laughs> <laughs> What role do you see the unconventional dwarf having in reinvigorating a sense of wonder and imagination in RPGs? Hmm. hmm. Um, you know, everybody thinks that uh, 
all stories have been told, everything's been done before, there's nothing new or original. Uh, I've been having this kind of thought lately that people only think that because we're working our fiction and our perspectives and seeing our stories from one kind of perspective, which is usually like straight white guys. And I think if you, uh, if you turn that on its head and you try to look at the universe from some other perspective that you're not used to or one that's not always told, I mean, I, I don't remember, I had like concrete examples at one time, but I'm a very abstract thinker so I lost track of it, but like if you're thinking about the world and about conflicts that arise in it, uh, I don't know, from from a woman's point of view even, just switching uh, the view of a conflict to a woman's point of view even would just would change so much and I think the unconventional dwarf has the potential to um, to kind of reinvigorate lore by just giving you a different perspective to look at your universe. I don't know if that makes any sense, but just you know, just looking at it from not the default, you know, trying to assimilate, like trying to imagine or researching, of course, um, somebody else's perspective. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. And I, I know that as. And I think, see, because once again, it's all about me. And <laughs> but as a woman of color and a queer woman of color, mm -hmm. that you know, it it is always I know, and I think with anyone with kind of non-standard um, gender or sexual uh, uh, sexual orientation identities, mm -hmm. um, that it's always that way. Right, so we're always trying to read ourselves, or at least for me, because because like I'm very. The reason it takes me four hours to create a character is that I'm very into the character and very mm -hmm. into how that character um, shapes the narrative or is shaped by the narrative. Yes. Um, so that kind of constantly weighs on me um, during that uh, the character creation process and it, and for me it doesn't just happen with the RPGs I want to say it just happens with RPGs but in any game when there when I can create a character I find myself doing it because we talked about um, blah came came out right before Grand Theft Auto um, the other crazy shooting game with the purple dildos um, oh, Saints Row 4 <laughs> Saints Row 4, <laughs> um, where, you know, when you, even when it was like the question of creating body type, I wanted to create a, you know, a full-figured African-American female character, right? So it was like, okay, so you make yourself bigger. When you make yourself bigger, what happens? Yeah, you you actually automatically get these gigantic breasts, right? Mm -hmm. um, and But when you make yourself more full-figured, um, you automatically became weak, so you could not be, you could not be full figured and strong. You had to automatically be weak, right? Uh, so even in those kinds darn. of, huh? I was gonna say darn, because I had a, I was eager to play Saints Row because I was watching um, the Jimquisition, and he was actually talking about how it's one of the most inclusive game creation. Uh, oh, horrible. Really? Because <laughs> I was looking forward to it. I was like, wow, you get to make like a fat character. You can have a, you know, whatever sexuality you want. And yeah. I was, I was looking forward to it. But apparently, that that really sucks that it skews it like that. Yeah, it was. It was in and and 
I was because I was looking forward to playing the game, and I was like, okay, so I'm gonna make this character president, and this character's gonna look like me. And then I was like, but it's gonna make me weak, and I'm gonna die every time I turn around, right? Mm -hmm. So you have all of these different kind of things that, like I said, so for for me, it not only shapes the narrative, shapes the narrative, but it gets shaped by the narrative. So my does being full figured like give you some sort of attribute that would balance out? Like, I know, like, sometimes no. if you have more speed, you can't have very much strength. If you have more no. strength, you can't have speed. Nope. So, you know. It just made you weak. No. Yeah, it didn't sucks. give you any positive attributes. I see. Huh. Yeah. yeah. And even if it had been balanced, there'd be the problem that it would have been telling you what your physical shape makes you as a person right this is this is something um, that it's a real challenge when when working with system you know obviously it can be completely botched but even if you're trying to do it right working with system and like um, whether it's something like this where you change the character's physical shape and it affects their statistics mm -hmm. or um, if you uh, have get character creation where players make choices and those choices determine things about the character, that I, I love those systems, but they're they're always flawed because mm -hmm. it, the system interprets for you what that decision means. Good point. Yeah. If you're short, you can't be fast. If you're big, you can't be strong. Yeah. And also cool. talking about like uh, those those games that have like uh, a more a morality scale. You know, like maybe something that the game considers good in a real life situation may not be that black and white. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I mean, and then you know, and because we've had, we've seen those, especially in terms of like morality questions, we've seen that mm -hmm. all over the place. We had those issues a lot when we were all playing Mass Effect. Um. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite one is is when you have the option of punching the reporter, and like the reporter kind of deserves to be punched, but then if you <laughs> punch the reporter, then it's like you're renegade. <laughs> I know, like my my dissertation specifically looks at ethics in gaming, but not the kind like you're talking about, Sarah, where you have to make a decision X or Y and one's ethical and one's not, but the ethics that the programmers have and yes. put into the game. That's mm -hmm. sort of what we're talking about, right? Like, yeah. what 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 area led to say this is good, this is bad? And when you look at it, the the group that made those decisions are usually pretty terrible. Like, there's all <laughs> sorts of issues. You know, five percent women representation, seven percent minority representation. Like, there's horrible, you know, situations that go into actually programming those choices that now are being the test of what's right and wrong when you're playing a game. So, mm -hmm. yeah. It's a problem. But women and minorities don't game. So what are you talking about? <laughs> okay, what? They, well, they, don't, they certainly don't play them. Is that what you said? They don't game, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, certainly not. No, so, that Should we do one, maybe one more question? I know we're getting along. Um, yeah. Uh, um, I guess okay. I, I... Wait, have Sam, have you asked a question? Oh, of course I have. Okay. Maybe two more. <laughs> Well, um, I'll ask a question then, I guess. Um, so I have mentioned that I'm a writer, um, and so I was kind of interested in seeing what advice you have for 
um, writers, role players who are uh, interested in trying to break that repetitive mold of the fantasy races. Um, any specific tips to help them steer away from it? or? I think that's definitely a question for Dr. Tuff. I'm still quite a newbie myself. <laughs> well, uh, my, my first thing actually follows directly from what we've been talking about, and that is some games will force you to have a character alignment in very specific narrow senses. The classic D&D scale is good, neutral, or evil combined with lawful, neutral, or chaotic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Ignore that. <laughs> I, I, I've, I, I think that, uh, yes. that the first thing is to, because I've known players, and some of them are actually fairly decent role players, who start from their character's alignment and build the personality around that. Mm. Um, if you have to have those, those values for game system purposes, do, but build the character and then rationalize as rationalize like mad how that works within the alignment system. Um, another thing is, uh, I think one of the biggest cliches in uh, in epic fiction, really, and it's, this is this is this, we see this a lot, not just in fantasy, but it's especially pervasive in fantasy, uh, partially because of the influence of Joseph Campbell. I won't go into that right now. <laughs> that Adventurers are alone, are orphans, uh, are not tied down by family, um, and all those things in addition to carrying a lot of um, very much uh, profession or fortune-seeking male baggage, this, this whole set of assumptions also makes for poor characterization. Uh, going to comics, why is it that Peter Parker in Spider-Man is so compelling? He has his Aunt May, and he has a vexed relationship with her. Now, Peter Parker in Spider-Man is not one of the deepest or most complex characters ever, but he's got a lot more personality than your average uh, uh, <coughs> average fighter mage uh, who is probably um, chaotic neutral in order to be able to do anything whatsoever without getting an, an alignment penalty for it. Mm -hmm. uh, sure. And uh, hmm. I, 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 think, I think that those are two good places to start if you're like playing in a game is to um, not let the alignment system use you and to think about people in the character's life who are important. Uh, every great story, the protagonists have people that matter to them. Uh, and beyond that, to pick at least one thing, at least one thing that doesn't fit the strictly normative mold. And in gaming sometimes, and in, in, in tabletop gaming, sometimes it's helpful to not have a character completely fleshed out of creation, so you can kind of fill in the details as you go along. But, you know, if you've got a character who's um, a dwarven warrior and a brewer, uh, 
and an armor smith. Well, okay, and he's butch. He's tough. Well, maybe she's butch, and those are a variety of dwarves where all the women have beards as well. Or maybe the dwarf uh, chose to worship a human god and got kicked out of his society for it, or something. It, it, because that's where the illusion that everyone needs to conform to all of the norms comes from, is the assumption that the single most common thing is universal and everyone should be aspiring toward it. And games environments can sometimes be coercive that way. Um, Min-maxing is... Is, okay, min-maxing is what you should almost always do in a computer gaming environment where your statistics just need to work to get you through combat. But when you have a human uh, moderator, human game master, sometimes you can work with them to make a character who isn't so polarized in their numbers work better. Because, again, the, the putting your lowest stat into the, into the attribute your character never uses tends to not help with uh, characterization. Now that's mostly from a player's perspective. Um, was there a follow-up to that or, or, or more from a writer's perspective? Um, if you have anything to say from the writer's perspective too, that's appreciated as well, I'm sure. <laughs> well, I, I, I will... We'll, uh, I'll, I'll, uh, well, actually, Rhiannon I think already has it, so Rhiannon can send along the link to that BuzzFeed article yes. on, on, you know, writing writing the other in genre fiction. Um, really great article. And the... Uh, I can't find it. <laughs> and the other thing is... Well, we can maybe write a post about yeah. it later. Just so yeah, I, I think <laughs> this is a very complex topic. <laughs> leaving a lot of dead air in the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, let's move along. Well, that just that just signifies it's complicated, and people who study this stuff for a living don't have easy answers because there's no easy answers. Yeah, there's, there's, like, there are no messy. easy answers. Yeah, shit is just messy, and it matters for reasons that we can't represent on a you know character creation board. Mm -hmm. yeah, that happens. So yeah, I, I guess yeah. maybe my, my last on that topic is use system but never trust system because that's when you wind up doing things like making all the busty characters physically weak. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, we actually have a question from a, a reader that I think you guys might be able to answer relatively quickly so we don't keep you too long. Um, but uh, the, the question uh, is uh, what sort of uh, reception have you gotten from academics with this work? Or non-academics, if you don't. I, what sort of perception in general? Um, well, I, not a whole lot of academic response yet. I think our visibility coming from a smaller press that isn't uh, an ac specifically academic press is it's going to take a little while to get more of that feedback. Mm -hmm. um, I've definitely gotten some uh, positive response though from people I know who are also you know creative writing people uh, uh, professors uh, because okay let me step back there I've had some real excitement from people who are not gamers 
including some people who hmm. are teachers of creative writing, because they found they could get into the worlds and the settings, and they weren't blocked up front by a lot of rules. We try to, the, and you know, the rule sections are at the beginning of each chapter, but we tried to keep that to a minimum. So you can make it crunchier if you want to, but we tried not to make it too crunchy to begin with. Yeah. Low barrier to entry. Well, the, but you know what, that, that's always a good thing. That's an interesting thing as well because, um, and, and because I was, and I have to say, like I said, and I said this early, I was absolutely fascinated with the book and, and, and the topic and the fact that you guys were kind of taking this on head on, something that is like, it seems like I've been waiting for, for 20 years and yes. didn't necessarily know I was waiting for. That's awesome. <laughs> um, and it's so Don, in answer to your question, maybe you should review it for a few journals and then we will have a better answer. That's a great idea. Well, there you go. <laughs> are you uh, his dissertation advisor? Because if you no, are, I'm you can not. that. Well, shucks. I'm not. See, I'm innocent. Um, but what I was going to say is, and this is something that I think is is as a series is necessary because you said the um, the untraditional elf is next. Mm -hmm. See, I'm really interested in that because I really like elves. <laughs> um, so oh I'm, my god, I can't wait for that. <laughs> I'm, I really like elves, um, so I'm really interested in see because I think that elves, in terms of being gender queer, are really interesting in a number of different ways, um, and the ability to be gender queer or the way I and I think that that may be more because I've played a lot of elvish characters, um, and it was the elf that was near and dear to my heart in uh, in Dragon Age, um, but um, I'm going to say this now. I'm going to say this now, Toph, when um, the Unconditional Elf comes out, I want you to come back okay, <laughs> and talk to us again about <laughs> that one. <laughs> I'm happy to, absolutely. And, uh, and once we finish uh, the kind of race series, the thing we have penciled in at the moment, because we've got uh, Unconventional Elf and then Halfling and then Orc, we'll round it out. Uh, and Orc is specifically included the races, not the monster series, which is going to be next. And we've got some ideas not only for what's going to go in there, but also what needs to be treated unconventionally about quote-unquote monsters. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that's something that's that in gaming, in gaming we too often, you know, all the ones with green skin or horns you can just kill on sight. Well, that's a problem. And, and it's a problem. Uh, someone wrote a book about Grendel's mother that was from that same perspective, yes. right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That you should do that. <laughs> <laughs> I would. I would very much read those. That would be fun. So, but th those won't be out for you know. That's definitely not any time this year. So. Well, we're not going anywhere anytime soon. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> Fingers crossed. Hopefully, and it'll be it'll be good. And you're gonna have to come back and talk to us about WoW at some point too, see, because you get really kind of piqued my interest. Because I have some really kind of interesting opinions about WoW. Because I I was a bit of a WoW junkie for a long time, and Alex Lane still is a bit of a yes, I am. Furthermore, we each had a lot more questions than we, we were able to get at tonight. So, well, um, in the future. And if there are any of those that are kind of more immediate, if you wanted to, like, uh, email those to me, I could put some of those 
we have a, um, a, 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 a base camp for the unconventional. I could put some of those up there and see what other contributors might have to say. Oh, awesome. That would make it And then send that back to you. Great. Well, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having us. It was a blast. Um, we've got we got a couple of quick things to run down before we sign off. You guys are welcome to hang out with us for a few minutes. Um, it won't take very long. It's nothing like our intro stuff where we tend to talk for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> well, how can we not center on what are you playing? I mean, come on. We now. didn't do what you're drinking. We didn't do what oh, you're we drinking. Didn't. We didn't do, well, we should do what are you drinking. I'm drinking wine. I'm gonna what kind of wine? Out of a box. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah, not once it comes out of a box, it's I'm very ashamed. broke. Well, otherwise, you see. So Mike, Mike got me these new wine glasses from Goodwill. But regardless, <laughs> new wine glasses, and they're so enormous they take like three quarters of a bottle of wine. So I feel like a psycho awesome. if I try to fill the wine glass up. So <laughs> wine. That's the only reason I do it. That's totally true. <clears throat> Someone else, please. Well, I I'll go I'll go and I'm drinking um uh raspberry no uh raspberry vodka and lemonade is what I'm drinking. Yum. Well, I am drinking beer even though I haven't drank beer in hardly at all in a month. You're on a no beer thing right now. I know, right? but I had a really excellent day writing my perspective. And then so. you had pizza yesterday. So I'm having a little celebration. There you go. Yay. <laughs> what kind of beer are you drinking, Charlotte? It's Orange Blue Shandy. Moon. No, Orange Shandy is my favorite. Line and Google? Oh, okay. I love Lineys. Yeah. Yep. That's a big deal up in Minnesota. Anyone else? I'm not drinking anything. I'm... Otherwise, I, I, I'd be drinking the last Kool-Aid burst that we have, but I promised I'd save it for my fiancé because I drank, like, literally the whole pack. And then he was like... What's a Kool-Aid burst? It's those Kool-Aid Kool that come in the, the plastic-y bottle. It's you not alcoholic, like, Alex. <laughs> no. You have to rip off the Does top and it compute. sprays everywhere. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. I... You're you're like 22 years old, Sarah. I'm 21. I'm not I'm not an alcohol person. <laughs> <laughs> she always she sounds like she's like five. So whenever she talks about what she's drinking, I'm like, are you old enough to? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, also you were my student for two classes and you weren't 21 yet, so it yes. still freaks me out a little bit. So I I, I support. Kool-Aid burst that you could drink non-alcoholic things that are more, you know, like a soda. But that's cool. <laughs> Kool-Aid burst. That's Don't fine. Judge. That's Don't good. judge my Kool-Aid. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I take it back. I take it back. Tofriadin, what are you uh, What are you guys drinking? Uh, root beer. Root beer. Yeah. Well, and I... Uh... And then having some tawny port, uh, frankly, only because I'm out of cognac. Uh, I, I'm a, yeah, that, that's what I would be sitting right now. You know what I would like to see more of with OIT, frankly? I would actually, Dr. Toth uh, posted something on Facebook once where uh, 
as you listed off of all these, like what a proper liquor, adult liquor cabinet should be. I think you should do more of that because I really need to know, like what are what should go in my liquor cabinet. <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll make some more pretentious posts about. Yes, uh, when please. You I love those. <laughs> that would help me too, man. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm all for that. Please do. You and your box wines, yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I, I Is worked that as not a. Like a thing? I don't know. <laughs> I worked as a wine steward and and bartender. Actually, uh, uh, when I was at Purdue, because I did my masters at Purdue back in the day. Uh, oh, well, and, you know. And, uh, and we can and, trust you, is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, for a pretentious degenerate, yes. <laughs> and we're all pretentious degenerates. That should, that should be the name oh, yes. of the podcast, really. But, <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. Please continue. Oh, uh, that's all I had to say. <laughs> oh. <laughs> all right, so we've okay, done well, the we said a cognac. <laughs> See, we should have started with that earlier. Then we could, then we, people would understand. <clears throat> we were just chit-chatting too much, having too much fun. I know that's As usual. Fun. I'm good with that. Yeah. Um, but let's run, run down our really quick deals for broke-ass gamers. Um, that's what we we started. We, Did we you see I added one to your list? I was actually going to add that. Um, and some of the, the only real deals right now, um, or good, the best deals right now, are the free stuff that are coming with like uh, memberships. Because right now you get Dead Island free if you um, have uh, a Microsoft um, XBLA Gold account. Um, so if you write about problematic representation, this is the game for you. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, what it's was awful. the what was the song? We oh. sang that song like crazy when that stupid game came out. By the by, the not as much as was, Press X to Jason. The rapper, but yes, no, the rapper who was born in New Orleans. Um, yeah. But had the 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 drug background. The black rap, rapper was it was just mm. crazy. Which I want to talk about problematic representations. Um, that was Dead Island, but it's free right now with Games for Gold. Um. Uh, if you are a PS Plus customer, Metro Last Light is free for the PS3, Outlast is P free for the PS4, and I forgot what's free for the Vita. <laughs> but you know what's coming? You know what's coming? What's coming? Remember me. I'm so excited because I almost bought it last week and then it. Oh my god. You didn't I like don't it? No, I hated it. What is it? Oh, I didn't hear you. Remember me. It's okay. Don't let her. Don't let her like. Put well, it's. It's free, so I'll try it either way. But I was excited because I wanted to buy it, and then now I don't have to. So don't let them crush your dreams. I, I, I'm a dream crusher. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> so, Samantha, dream crusher, Blackman. Samantha needs to play Outlast in the dark by herself. Nothing, nothing scares me. That is what that is what really kills me about these games is that I want to be nothing scared. Nothing scares by these you games. because you won't play games that scare you. Games that torture. Kids, you will not play because they scare you. They don't scare me. They don't scare me. They just make me incredibly sad. They don't scare me. And I'm not going to do that to myself. Well, um, Outlast, Outlast doesn't have dead kids, but but it might scare you, so you should try it alone. I'm going to try it. It's free, you yeah. know, and I got PS Plus, so I'll try it. Is it only free on the PS Plus? It's only free on the PS Plus. Yeah. I mean, PS, well, it's only PS Free on the PS4, yeah. Well, well that's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> and 
And then um, the the one of the good deals on uh, Steam this week is the Steam Midweek Madness sale. You get a uh, 60% off Don't Starve, which is Alex's crack right now. Um, if you uh, if you don't have it already, I think it's like 5.99. It is 5. No, it's cheaper than that. No, no it wasn't. It's was 5.99. I'm looking at it. It's five ninety nine. It's it's very worth it. It's worth every penny. It's amazing. It's five ninety nine. What's that? You act like that's like thirty bucks. Um, it's a it's good a game, and it, it that was free on for PS Plus last month. But you know, if you miss that, grab it now on Steam for five ninety nine, six percent off. And those are the good. I games. give up my full recommendation. There's fun stuff coming out this week. We've got. Uh, Bravely Default, uh, the Lego movie game next week. Um, we've got Lightning Returns. Lightning Returns! With her triple D boobs. <laughs> because apparently... They're not that God. big. Not that big. No, they did. They, okay, no, they, they weren't triple D. They made them double Ds, remember? They actually talked about it. I know that they made them bigger. Did they say double Yeah, D? they did. Because... Oh. They, that's what they were told to do because that was going to draw that was going to draw customers according to uh, and to according to them so that was something that that was something that they went ahead and did so can we add on a positive note this is ridiculous oh, oh, sorry. I have a uh, I have a broke gamer suggestion for you okay what's that since we were talking about history earlier um, there's a a a little known group I I hadn't heard of them until I found out about this but. Uh, Called Bundle Stars that currently has a bundle of games from Paradox that includes Europa Universalis 3, the complete version, Sword of the Stars, Hearts Ooh. of Iron 3 for uh, for your World War II war gaming, Rome Gold, uh, the King's Crusade again that is actually Crusades era, and for high fantasy in there Magica which is the the wizards casting crazy spells like some new version of Gauntlet. And uh, that bundle is like five bucks. Oh, that's great! Majika is a lot of fun. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll post the link in the uh, comments. So awesome! Also, play Wolf Quest. It's free. Wolf Quest. That's true. That is free. <clears throat> I need to play that game. <laughs> there you go, Nancy. It's a. It's it's it was it was weirdly fun, especially if you have people like kind of standing over your shoulder, judging your decisions as a wolf. It was, it was just it was really fun. I was rolling my eyes, eating my chips and dip. Like Sarah, what did you bring in? And I had I had a blast playing it. I feel clearly. like it's a great it's a great educational game. Like, I mean, it's for something very specific with wolf ecology, but like I think it does. Gamification very well. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with wolf ecology. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, um, as always, let's see. If you want to get in contact, one of our with guests us, just, uh, or one of our viewers just posted that these were amazing guests. So just so you guys know. Yay! Oh. Yay. <laughs> Loved it. Yeah. Awesome. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, um, Sam. That's okay. So if you want to get in contact with us, at always, as always, you can email us at mymgamer at gmail.com. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at, at mymgamer. You can like us on Facebook. That's always a good idea because you get all kinds of fun announcements oh, oh. and crazy questions. Um, just look for Not Your Mama's Gamer and like our page. Um, and if you want to uh, get a daily dose of our craziness, 
<laughs> you can go to our blog where we talk about um, different aspects of games, gaming, and geek culture in general every day, um, or every mm-hmm. weekday right now anyway. Um, and that's nymgamer.com. Um, and you can send us uh, email, voicemail, video mail. Uh, we made it easier. We have that nice little voicemail applet on our blog and at the top of our Facebook page. If you want to leave us a voicemail um, or an email question for us or any guests that we have coming up, we are more than happy to address questions um, in very fun ways. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, And I Mm -hmm. think that's about it. So until next time when we hit episode 72, stay warm, stay safe, stay dry. And as always, folks, game on.